reached the mailbox of Josh Marshall. Hi, Josh. It's Amy. Um, I know you don't want to hear anything about the whole... And I absolutely promise I won't even start on that stuff, but I, I found something out. Uh, something quite big. I would like to talk to you properly, not just in a message. Anyway, you've got my number, so give me a call if you change your mind. Bye. You've reached the mailbox of... Josh Marshall. Hi, it's me again. Uh, I hope you got the tapes all right. I knocked, but you didn't answer, so I just left them on the... I know you're angry at me. I don't know why exactly, but I need to talk to you, okay? You've reached the mailbox of Josh. I'm Amy Louise Chen, and welcome to the Apocalypse Songs podcast. Amy knows me. She made my bed this morning. Big pillows. Growing. Annie knows. That's the end of the tape marked April 11th, 1967, the very last tape in the chronology. Clara Wilson would pass away late the following evening at Newlyn Hospital. Discovering that Clara was pregnant at the time of her suicide at first felt like a breakthrough, and then just like another mystery to add to an ever-growing pile. How could she be three months pregnant? Unless Anne had lied to the doctor, and why would she? Clara had sealed herself off from the world for the last six months. Did she have a secret lover? How would she have even met him? Of course, there was a possibility that the doctor had simply diagnosed her incorrectly. Maybe back then, pregnancy testing was just a lot less reliable. Hi Lynette, thanks for speaking with me. Oh, sorry, your audio's turned off. Oh, damn, uh, is, it, is, it, is it working now? Oh yeah, there you are. To find out more about gynaecology in the 1960s, I spoke to Dr Lynette Keane a faculty member at the Tamaki University Women's Studies Department, who specialises in the history of women's medicine. So how accurate were pregnancy tests in the late 1960s? But in the mid-20th century, we're talking ooh, mostly accurate. Uh, never 100%, though even today there are no 100% accurate tests for pregnancy. Uh, but back then, the chance of, that it was a false positive was considerably higher than now. And there were no home tests, of course. Uh, you'd need to have a doctor involved. And in some places, they were still doing the whole um, rabbit test thing. What's a rabbit oh. test? <laughs> oh, no, that's a whole story. Uh, some scientists had figured out that if you inject a rabbit with a pregnant woman's urine, it would go into heat. <laughs> Don't ask me how the hell they worked that out in the first place. So they'd literally just do that. Ugh, that's so gross. 
<laughs> not to mention deadly for the rabbits. But the demand was there. Women wanted to know, and if they were only a few weeks into the pregnancy, then that might have been the only way to tell. But if someone was more than a few weeks along, if they were a few months or so, would the accuracy rate be higher? Mm, well, the further into the pregnancy, the more accurate, I'd say. Usually by two or three months, there are symptoms they'd be looking at, you know, um, physical changes, morning sickness, no period, obviously. Um, a doctor would have looked at all of that and um, made their conclusions. Of course, there was always the chance of a false pregnancy or a hysterical pregnancy, as they're sometimes called. How do those work? Yeah, uh, jury's still out. <laughs> uh, there are a whole lot of uh, very complex, interlinked um, well, well, the main thing is, is that it's psychosomatic. So the person has to really, truly believe that they're pregnant for the symptoms to occur. But it can be so close to a real pregnancy that a doctor could misdiagnose, you know, um, a distended stomach, uh, nausea. Uh, sometimes a woman could feel phantom kicking. I see. Um, <laughs> is this all helpful for your research? or? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually wanted to check something else with you. Uh, okay. Uh, can I send you a document? I'll just pop a link to it in the chat. Um, uh, did you get it? Oh, yes, yeah, I see it. So, uh, the person that I'm researching for the program, this musician, I have her cause of death uh, certificate here, but I noticed that there's no record of her pregnancy on it. Is that something you'd expect to see if a woman died while she was carrying a baby? Mm-hmm. Generally, there would be some note of it, but uh, in this case, quite probably, um, you know, the doctor presiding might have tried to be delicate about it for the family. Uh, I'm sorry, I I don't think I quite get what you mean, because she wasn't married or...? Uh, Because she was aborting it. Quinine poisoning. Quinine was a common abortifacient in the 1960s. One of those... um, Home remedies. Sad thing was, it didn't work. Overdosing on quinine pills didn't have any effect on the pregnancy, but it might kill the mother. Oh, poor thing. If she was pregnant, she would still have been pregnant once she recovered from the overdose. Only she didn't. It wasn't suicide. What? Clara wasn't trying to kill herself. It was a botched abortion. She was pregnant? Or at least she thought she was. Three months. But that's... How? I don't know. It doesn't add up, but it's on the tapes. The... The second to last tape, you can hear Anne and the doctor talking outside the door if you turn the volume all the way up, and he outright says, three months pregnant. And apparently, apparently, quinine, the pills she overdosed on, they weren't just for malaria. People thought they could induce a miscarriage. So, she was pregnant, and that means... I guess I'm working on two theories right now. 
One is Clara was suffering from some kind of psychotic episode, hallucinations, isolating herself, obsessively repeating the same phrases over and over, schizophrenia or something similar, songs, her writings, rambling, nonsense. Similarities to future events are all coincidence. Then she has a hysterical pregnancy, doctor misdiagnoses it, she tries to abort the child that wasn't even there, and she dies. And the other theory? That she was a vessel for something. Something that gave her knowledge of so many terrible things that were going to happen to this country, to these people. The Christchurch earthquakes, the Wahine sinking, Forsyth Terrace, Stuart Milden. But that something was using her to carry more than just information. It wanted her to give birth. She was carrying its child. Are you still there? Yes. Can you come over? Um, okay. Something I... It'll make more sense if I show you. You're playing the tape? Uh, yeah. Yeah, come in. Come in. Uh, just so here, do you want to do the No, I'm fine. Okay. You said you needed to show me something? Yeah. Yeah, I did. What are they? Uh, you remember how some of the, the exercise books had pages torn out? That was me. Why? Read them. Sweet younger sister, most beloved by men. She marries twice, she marries twice again. And though she cries to heaven and asks when, the answer's never, she'll not bear a bairn. I don't understand. Keep reading. The boy that Alan loved sits inside a prison cell hour upon hour upon day upon day. The boy that Sarah bore hears a tolling prison bell year upon year upon six years he'll stay. No death was by his hand. She's using names. Like in the Forsyth Terrace song. Yeah. Alan. I know that name. Someone I interviewed, or someone Clara knew, or... Her brother. She had a brother called Alan, didn't she? Yep. My great uncle. These songs, they're... they're about your family? Sweet younger sister, that, that'd be Judith, right? Yeah, married four times and no children, like the song says. And, and this one, Alan had a son? Uh, Frank went to jail for, for manslaughter. Six years for a drink driving thing. He said, he said he was innocent, said someone else was driving, but no one in the family believed him. And his mother was called Sarah. She knew somehow. 
I don't know how she knew, but uh, she... Are you sure that it wasn't... Read this one, okay? A child is birthed, but never born, and, and taken by the soil, with sweat and labour's toil, with blood of covenant unsworn, not death, not life, and who can mourn? My mother's granddaughter will grow, and she will want and need, and she will love and bleed. My sister's granddaughter won't know this mortal joy, nor mortal woe. Her mother's granddaughter, that's my mother. Uh, she, she was the only granddaughter in the family. Clara knew what would happen to her. She saw it. She Josh, knew Josh, that she Josh, would... Hold on. What, what happened to your mother? I was four. Mum was pregnant with my sister. She had a late-stage miscarriage. I'm sorry. I remember it. She was crying. She was so loud. I came down the hallway and I saw through the, the crack in the door. It's awful. Later, later she said she had a nightmare. All these terrible voices and this this strange music and whispering. And when she woke up, she was bleeding. A child is birthed but never born. That's where it all comes from. All of her, you know, her mental. She didn't speak for three months afterwards. Didn't look at me. Didn't want to touch me. Josh. I thought you might be able to... <laughs> I wanted it not to be true. She couldn't have known. It's, it's not It's not possible. No, no, one, no one can predict the future. I could. I wanted you to prove that it wasn't true, and you did the opposite. Sorry, I don't... I, I don't understand. She predicted well, it all. She just no, no, I get that, but, 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 but why does it matter to you whether she could predict the future or not? Because, because it's, it's my family and these things happen to exactly, them. Exactly, they, they happened already. So what difference does it make? There's one more. The boy who fought in Jericho child of my sister's child. A man who'll be, a man who'll grow, and know things he can't bear to know. Child of my sister's child. This mortal life the man will shun, by his own hand he'll die. For twenty years he'll round the sun, just seven more and he'll be done. By his own hand he'll die. It's about you. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. I'm 26. Well, just because she predicted it doesn't doesn't mean it. Yeah, she was right about mum, about Aunt Judith, Uncle Frank, that that fucking guy from the cafe, but she didn't even the her performance. The thing inside her was right. It wasn't Clara. It was whatever was controlling her. It's Ben. It was right about everything. No. It was wrong about Clara. I wanted to use her. I thought it could feed off her. Use her as a as a container, as a conduit. But she fought it. 
And it killed her. And she killed its child. That wasn't part of the plan. That, that, that was all her. It took her body and she she drove it out. She she tried to take it back. She reclaimed herself, her, her mind. Her... Do you have the notebooks? What? Um, yeah, by the front door. Crossed out? Yeah. I I think she wrote it. <laughs> she wrote it, not 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 it, not not whatever was making her do all this. She wrote it herself. Some days I feel like the smallest person in all the wide, wide universe. A tiny David armed with nothing but a slingshot and a little verse. I try to keep on battling, but I'm weak and they are strong. I'm waiting for the sunrise, but the night is oh so long. Maybe it's the only song she ever wrote. Am I going to be okay? I don't know. I think... I think you're going to have to make a choice. You'll have to choose to live. She was a brave woman. She was. Some days I feel like the smallest person in all the wide, wide universe. A tiny David armed with nothing, but a slingshot and a little verse. I try to keep on battling, but I'm weak and they are strong. I'm waiting for the sunrise, but the night is oh so long. Thank you for listening. A 
Apocalypse Songs was written by Cassandra Teese and directed by James Kane, with music composed by Katie Morton. Sound design and editing was by Maxwell Upser. Our audio engineer was Patrick Barnes. Apocalypse Songs featured Cassandra Teese as Amy Louise Chen, Drew MacArthur as Joshua Marshall, and Catherine Gavigan Binney as Clara Wilson. Additional voices from Alan Henry, Hilary Norris, Lloyd Scott, Janelle Pollock, Samina Zera, Caitlin Penrose, Chris Green, Karen Anslow, James Kane, and Bronwyn Today. Additional music composed by Bruno Shirley. Our musicians were Katie Morton, Ellie Stewart, Logan Kegenhoff, and Ricky Hunt. Our podcast art was by Cosmo Bones. Red Skier Theatre Company would like to thank Radioactive.fm, Wellington City Council, and Creative New Zealand for making this project possible. For more information, please visit redskier.co.nz. If you enjoyed Apocalypse Songs, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show. And again, thank you so much for listening.